Welcome to CCC's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. It's Friday, April 28th, 2023. Today, as we do each week, we check in with Publishers Weekly on news from the world of books and publishing. Andrew Albanese, PW Senior Writer, joins me today. Welcome back to the program, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. National Library Week runs through Saturday, Andrew. The sponsors at the American Library Association have released the State of America's Libraries 2023, which inventories the top 10 most challenged books. Any surprises on this year's list? Yeah, the State of America's Libraries 2023 report is out, and one of the features every year in that report is its annual list of the top 10 challenged books. And yeah, no real surprises this year, except that in the midst of this documented surge of book bans and legislation threatening the freedom to read, everything is a little bit bigger, including the ALA's top 10 most challenged books list, which this year has 13 entries because some books tied with the same number of challenges. Now, I won't go over the entire list here. You can check that out, as well as the 2023 State of America's Libraries report on the PW site. But the list really does reflect what's been going on across the country, where books by or about LGBTQ plus persons and people of color have been targeted by a right-wing political movement seeking to censor these books from schools and libraries. So no surprise, top of the list this year is a book we've talked about a lot on this show over the last two years, Maya Kobabi's Gender Queer. That came in at number one. George Johnson's All Boys Aren't Blue was number two. And Toni Morrison's classic, The Bluest Eye, came in at number three. You know, one new addition this year is that the top 10 uh, list was released on something new for National Library Week, the first ever National Right to Read Day, which was held on Monday, April 24th as part of National Library Week. It was billed as a day for readers and advocates and library lovers to, and I'll quote them here, take action to protect, defend, and celebrate the right to read. And I have to say, that's an unfortunate addition to have to make to the National Library Week lineup. I mean, it's a terrific idea, uh, and there was good stuff on that day, but you know, and it's a meaningful edition for sure, but it wasn't that long ago when National Library Week really was a celebration. And even the top 10 most challenged books were released as part of the celebration of the freedom to read. Well, this really is no longer much of a celebration. This is this is a battle that we're locked in. Uh, and this year's State of America's Libraries Report really is a call to arms. And of course, the numbers that were released last month by the ALA sort of bear that out. You know, last week we talked about a new Pen America report which shows how book bans are surging. Well, last month, ALA also showed a worrisome, dramatically worsening trajectory for book bans. In March, ALA reported that for a second year in a row, the number of books targeted for censorship nearly doubled from the previous year. Uh, in 2022, ALA officials said libraries in every state faced another year of unprecedented attempt, attempts to ban books. And the ALA's Office for Intellectual Freedom, which tracks these challenges, tracked 2,571 unique titles targeted for censorship. That's a 38% increase from the 1,850 titles or so that were targeted in 2021. And by comparison, you know, in terms of challenges, the ALA tracked some 377 challenges in 2019. Uh, that went up to 729 challenges in 2021. In 2022, that was over 13, about 1,300 challenges. So the numbers are certainly showing uh, that the surge of book bans is a long way from over. And beyond the book challenges and the book bans, Andrew, what does the report tell us about the state of America's libraries? Yeah, so it's tough out there for librarians and library workers, right? Now, the good news is that libraries remain popular in their communities, 
and polls show that people still value and trust their libraries and local librarians. But the institution is under attack, and there's no denying it. The institution, of course, is not the walls and the rooms and the books. The institution is made up of librarians and library workers. And for librarians and library workers, it is a really stressful time right now. You know, it, it's 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 an interesting coincidence. This week, President Biden officially announced his re-election campaign, and I'm not trying to get political here. I'm just saying that what really I noticed really jarred me about President Biden's 2024 campaign announcement is that it's really going to hinge on the fact that he's defending democracy. And that just, I saw that and I was just like, wow, in 2024, with all the issues that we're facing uh, in the world and within our borders coming out of a pandemic, you know, the idea that we're going to have to defend the basic principles of our democracy is really quite something. Uh, and it just happens to be the case, you know, that librarians as pillars of our democracy can attest to all this, right? So in, in terms of the State of America's Libraries Report 2023 edition, ALA Executive Director Tracy Hall notes in her opening that libraries are literally and figuratively at the epicenter of this ongoing discussion about the well-being of our communities. And she notes it's the state of our democracy, especially as we seek to rebound from the COVID-19 crisis. You know, three years ago, we were in lockdown. Thousands of Americans were dying every day. And the library community was really looking forward to coming out of the pandemic more valued than ever, right? We talked on this show of this positive new normal that librarians were dreaming up. They were thinking how we were going to come out of this and make things better, how we were going to come up with a new normal that recognized and addressed all the issues the pandemic had highlighted. Instead, at least at this point, this hopeful new normal is giving way to a sort of dystopian reality where, where books are banned, but assault weapons are, you know, untouchable. And Hall notes this in her foreword, you know, that libraries are contending with a range of issues from reduced funding and staffing to threats to their personal safety. There's been bomb scares to libraries over the books on their shelves, right? And then you also have threats to the professional livelihood. So, you know, there's bills threatening to criminally charge librarians uh, for making books available or to defund libraries all together just for making books available. And, you know, library workers are public servants. You know, they've been stretched since before the pandemic. And I think now they're really beginning to feel the burden and need to be supported. So the state of America's libraries report this year is a really, it's kind of a tough, but a very necessary read. And, you know, the good news is that libraries remain popular, but also the attacks are there. And as Hall notes, those who read the report should come away with a greater understanding of the power and potential of libraries and for the need to stand up for the defense of libraries. PW has news this week of a welcome change for publishing industry workers in New York City, better salaries. Yeah, it's an interesting report this week from my boss, Jim Milliot, that shows that you know as of April 1, the average entry-level salary for publishing employees, located in New York City at least, uh, and at the big five trade publishers in Scholastic, was up. It was up uh, to $47,583 from $38,583 before the COVID-19 pandemic. This according to a recent survey conducted by Publishers Weekly. That increase marks a rise of 23.3%, and this during a period when consumer prices rose about 12.4%, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. So that does sound like great news, right? At least things are going in the right direction for publishing workers. And then, of course, you realize that we're talking about $47,000 a year, which is just not livable in New York City. It just isn't. According to the publishers polled in the survey, the median compensation for staff with less than five years experience was $46,000 for editorial, 
48,000 for sales and marketing and 61,500 for operations and production. And, you know, publishing industry salaries have been an important issue in the wake of the pandemic. And most of the major houses at least now appear to be headed in a better direction. And I think a lot of that can be traced back to the HarperCollins Union, which ended their three-month strike in February with a new deal last year. But the attention that that action called to the pay levels of publishing workers, I think absolutely has had an impact. So Publishers Weekly is going to be following up on this initial release with more information gathered from our survey. This is going to be in our annual salary survey issue later this year, so you can look for that. But, you know, there is a sliver of good news here. I think you're right. Things are going in the right direction. Still, I think it's fair to say that, you know, well, if you ask any entry-level publishing employee, we're still a long ways away from uh, having a livable wage in the publishing industry. Anyway, more to come on that and future issues. At London Book Fair last week, HarperCollins CEO Brian Murray offered mixed thoughts on the book market in 2023. What did the sales reports just out from HC and several of its big five competitors now tell us? Yeah, so this report dropped just before we went to London. I'm glad we're going to get a chance to like talk about this because it was exactly what Brian Murray spoke about from the stage at the London Book Fair. Uh, and that's that rising costs and slowing demand are starting to catch up with the major publishers after the pandemic. Uh, this has led to a decline in profits at Penguin Random House, Hachette, and HarperCollins. Uh, in 2022 compared to last year, 2021, only Colleen Hoover, I mean, Simon & Schuster, <laughs> Hoover's publisher, was able to counter the trend. Uh, Simon & Schuster posted a 16.4% increase in earnings on an 18.5% gain in sales. But even Simon & Schuster can't escape the pressure of rising costs. Sales and profits are softening. And when asked for a prediction about 2023, Simon & Schuster CEO Jonathan Karp demurred. He cited the uncertainty around the economy, but also around who Simon & Schuster's owner is going to be. So something else we're going to be watching as the year plays out, who's going to buy Simon & Schuster. Only Hachette's parent group was willing to offer a guess on what the year was going to turn out like in 2023, saying they expected sales and earnings to be flat. And 2023. And as my boss, Jim Milliant, noted in his report, you know, we do appear to be headed back to the usual flat is the new up situation in the book business. But as Brian Murray noted in London, at least that flat is going to be at a nicely elevated level from where the book business was in 2019. So, you know, what are we going to be paying attention to for the rest of the year? You know, exactly what Brian Murray called out in London and what each of these publishers cited in their earnings reports so far this year, inflation, economic concerns, demand, kinks in the supply chain, you know, and, you know, just people potentially reading less and buying less books after the pandemic. But, you know, let's see what happens. Let's see if we don't get some blockbusters. Let's see how book talk shakes out for the rest of the year. But I think it's fair to say that, as Brian Murray noted in London, the pandemic sales surge is pretty much over and we're back to normal. And that means normal margins and normal sales for publishers in 2023. But again, flat sales at a level that's 10 to 12 percent over where we were in 2019. Well, I think all the major publishers would have signed up for that. I think that's going to be just OK with them. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, thanks for joining me on the program with your reporting and editorial analysis. My pleasure, as always. That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. You can subscribe to this program wherever you go for podcasts, and please do follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. You can also find Velocity of Content on YouTube as part of the CCC channel. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.